Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Hi, welcome back to Real Real Creature Feature. Uh, my name is Mac. I'm Mike. I'm Dean. And we are going to introduce a special guest. This is my friend, Crystal. Crystal, who are you? Hi, guys. I am Crystal Star. I am a human, and I am a jack of all trades. I'm really big into Lego, and um, I was on the first season of Lego Masters. Um, I also do a lot of visual effects work in um, in the film and TV industry. Um, I've worked in a lot of Marvel and DC films on a bunch of projects, um, done a lot of TV as well, like uh, Jack Ryan and some other film or TV shows. And um, I currently, since the pandemic, um, you know, kind of kicked all the jobs out from under me. So I started doing art um, on Twitch. And now I am, I guess, like a part-time tiki artist now. Um, so I'm really, really big into um, the tiki culture and Hawaiian vibes and a big fan of the ocean and all things that kind of surround it, nautical themed and all. And um, yeah, I just had a huge art show last night, actually. So I'm a little out of it. We partied in hard yesterday. Um, and yeah, I'm just... Uh, that's kind of a really fast nutshell rundown of who I am. Yep, a way more interesting and awesome resume than us. That is not true at all. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mac? Just because I do, just because in my spare time I process retirement plan payments for a company makes me <laughs> look. We all have to have hobbies. Yeah, and your hobby just happens to be uh, retirement portfolios. Yes, well, of course, because it's like otherwise. It's like when your main job is jumping out of planes, what else are you going to do? Is that that's your main job? You jump out of planes? No. No, absolutely not. Uh, he's modest. He's being modest here. He jumps out of tanks. Have you ever have you ever heard of those have you ever heard of those halo jumps, you know, the high altitude low orbit jumps? I test out I test the suits for those. Oh fun. Seems painful. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Then, no. then the illusion is the illusion is complete. Now, uh, ketchup gets washed off of those suits too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, everybody. Uh, so our our topic today will be about unicorns. Now, Crystal, why did I ask you specifically to do the unicorn episode? Um, I'm assuming it was because Amy and I were team unicorns for the, uh, Fox TV show Lego Masters, um, where I'm also, I've been obsessed with unicorns forever. I used to collect them as a child 
And then in my teenage years, I got really angsty and I would smash them with hammers. So my unicorn collection is no longer. I think I have like maybe two left. Um, but yeah, uh, and maybe it's because I am a unicorn, I'm kind of, you know, a jack of all trades, can do a little bit of everything. Master at none. I feel like you should be angsty and still keep the unicorns. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, they were so much fun to smash with a hammer. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I do it now, it. but during my like, from like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 phase, anytime I got very frustrated, I would just go break some. So the collection was insane. I had like over 100. I was going to say, if you don't have to buy more unicorns to replace the smashed ones. Um, so, you, you know, know, I would pick them up at, you know, estate sales or thrift stores mm. for like a couple bucks a piece. So, although I do regret it now, because like my friend who you know who was friends with me at that time sent me like a eBay listing of some 1980s unicorns that were like you know sixty or seventy dollars per little figurine, and I was like, oh shit, I had a couple of those, <laughs> but oh well, I would have donated them, or you know, I probably wouldn't have had them anyways now, so it's fine. So, uh, our topic is on the unicorns. Now, Michael, what do you know about unicorns? I know that there was a last of them. Oh, my God. Uh, One of my favorite movies. I actually have a cell from the original. Nice. I've never seen the movie, like, in its entirety. I've only read the book. Oh, my God. The movie is so worth it. The art in that movie is seriously, like, insane. It looks really good from the stuff I've seen. But, I mean, I that's... But that's, like... I, other than that, it's just what I know about unicorns is literally horse with a horn, potentially magic, and apparently they're apparently they're also made of glitter. Uh, yeah. to- False. Have you ever seen uh, Legend? Oh, with Tom Cruise. No, Tim Curry. Oh. Yeah. Tom Cruise, Tim Curry. Yeah, Tom Cruise, Tim Curry. Yeah, Tom Cruise is the is the not is the not devil in Legend. Yeah, Tim oh Curry is. Yeah, Tim yes. Curry is the devil. Yes. Oh my god, no, that that movie, like, I, I saw that movie when I was maybe like three or four and had no idea what I was watching, you know? And then again, when I was like eight, still, pro- like, way too young to be seeing the devil. Like, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, when I was young, uh, it was on the TV. It was on the TV uh, for during Thanksgiving. And uh, we were watching it, not knowing what the hell it was, because like halfway through it, we just see the devil. Yeah, like it's totally family friendly, the first half. And then you're like the ending. You're like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, one of my relatives was like, what are you kids watching? I don't know. Yeah. So for the longest time, I'm like, I have no idea what this movie is, but I'm interested because I'm like, I want to know because the also probably sparked my love of like movie makeup and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, this yes. really looks good. Yeah. It like really took you into another world, which is, you know, what movies should do. And I think that legend totally nailed that. Um, I'm also Irish and unicorns have a huge, tremendous role in like the Irish folklore. Um, and when I was a kid, I, I really, 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 and even as an adult, a very small part of me still wants to believe this so bad that unicorns really did exist. And um, 
the reason they're not here today is because Noah's Ark, um, they were having too much fun and playing around and didn't get on the Ark and got washed away um, with the sea. And so then when you watch The Last Unicorn and they come back as the sea and the foam um, is just kind of like a re, it's like a close connection with that. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I grew up believing. I'm going to tell you this right now. When I told my parents yes, when I told my parents on Friday that this was the episode we were recording, my dad told me the exact same thing. Really? <laughs> yes. The Noah's Ark story? Yes. He told me the exact same thing. Yes. I was like, as soon as you said it, I'm like, I cannot believe this is a, I cannot believe that this was a thing that's not just my dad spouting BS on this. Yes. I Well, there's a song about it. Um, it's, uh, oh my God, it's not Hal Roach. He was a comedian. Um, it's, it's like, there's a, there's an Irish song about the unicorns, you know, the loveliest of all was the unicorn. We got them green alligators and long neck geese, <laughs> some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants as sure as you're born. You're never gonna see the unicorn. I can't remember the rest of that song, but that is the song that I, you know, learned that story from. Now we're gonna have to clear this with legal before we can put it up. <laughs> it looks like it was by the Irish Rovers. Yeah, the unicorn. It's literally called the Unicorn Song by the Irish Rovers. Yeah, that is it. That is it. Well, the national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. Yeah. And that story makes me think of the fan. Uh, Fantasia 2000. Yes. Donald Duck uh, is Noah's assistant. They've. I just sent a picture that I found uh, in the group chat. I, I think they need a. You need a better screenshot than this one, Dean. I do not like the way that horse is looking. Yeah, that's that's awkward. That that horse is having too much. That that horned horse is having too much fun. And now they're and now they're all gonna go. Dragons, griffins, and unicorns, all gone. Just because of that picture. Yep. <laughs> you single-handedly murdered one more thing that we need to talk about now. We, got, we, got, we would have the trifecta. We got, we got a plan for griffins now. Yeah, that's... Ooh, still, still trying to figure that one out. Okay, so, uh, in the first century CE, Pliny, or Pliny the Elder writes of a fierce animal called the monokuros, or a single horn, a word that basically, if you look at the rooting, everything else comes to a unicorn, which has the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, a tail of a boar, while the rest of the body is a horse, which makes a deep lowing noise and a single black horn and has a single black horn, which projects through the middle of its forehead. That's one of the earliest depictions. Did Plenty the Elder include illustrations of this thing? Uh, no, not really. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Yes. Do you guys believe that unicorns were ever at one time real? This is a tricky thing to ask. Yeah, uh, but uh, this is uh, from Saint. That's not what I asked. I asked if you guys believe that unicorns were ever at one time real. Living things on the earth. I am not... Because it's very similar to when we were talking about the Sasquatch. It's, I am open to the possibility that some creature like that existed. 
that live close enough to humans that they would recognize. Because there are a lot of stories where they're just random creatures. And like, and there are actual creatures that corresponded with some of these mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. And and I and that's basically kind of and I'm gonna talk about like how it possibly could have looked and everything else. Yeah. But there's some aspects of it that's like they don't make sense. Yeah. Which I'll get into. I I, I want to believe. And until the fossil record shows up, I'm going to have a hard time believing. But I, uh, there's plenty of horned animals that have existed. And yeah. for all we know, they could fall into that category, which we might get into. We're going to get into more horned animals later as we talk about the biology of a unicorn. And uh, so I just started the book R- Rise and Reign of the Mammals. Good for you. Wait, so let's and- just go through. One by one, yes or no. <laughs> you got maybe, maybe Dean. The, What's your response? Uh, uh, I would have, I would like them to be. Ah, because the thing is, is like, um, perfect answer. <laughs> perfect answer. No notes. I really, <laughs> I liked unicorns. Because I read The Last Unicorn, watched The Last Unicorn. That was one of the movies that the library mom was like, oh, try this. Oh, try Never Ending Story. Try this one. Um, but. Was there a unicorn? No, it's story? just so. at the Berlin. Uh, oh, it's yeah. My mom, uh, my mom would take us to the library, which was up the hill from us. And during the summer, we would rent out all the VHSs that they would have. And mom was like, oh, maybe you'll like Never Ending Story or Never Ending Story 2. Um, but there, fantasy there was also like the it. Into the Land of Unicorns written by Bruce Coville. Uh, oh, I don't think that's I, a book that a series. Oh, it's called yes. Into the uh, Land of Unicorns? If I remember correctly, I, um, a girl falls off of like a bell tower into a portal that takes her to a land with unicorns. She gets these guys to Unicorn Land? She meets a unicorn that's a hundred and something years old, but in unicorn age, she's a teenager. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then I started reading uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles, and I really liked how Tony Dietrich and Holly Black made all those mythical creatures like something you would find from a mid 19th century naturalist who goes out and draws, oh, this is this plant, this is this animal. Uh, they had a pretty cool design for that one because it had uh, it was a lot small, smaller and uh, kind of like a saber yeah. horn, if I remember. But I'd in, have to go grab the book. But, uh, I have their bestiary. From reading The Last of the Unicorns and that stuff, in my mind, I, I don't think of the um, hoity-toity uh, type of unicorns that are all snuck, stuck up and tease Mabel. I'm more, I'm more of the I'm more of these are smaller slighter animals not necessarily a horse 
more akin to goatish to deer-sized animals. One of the most metal uh, unicorns I've ever heard of is from uh, the Dresden Files. The book, not the show. Uh, no one was saying I know, anything. but it, it's, it's just a habit now. Uh, and it, But um, how they depict it, and like... The, so you find out something about this particular one, but it doesn't matter because later on they re-show up. And uh, basically, it's not technically a unicorn because it actually has three horns, but it has one, like the normal uh, spiral horn out of its head that's actually serrated. And then it has two ram's horns. So technically is a tri-horn, but whatever. Uh, has no eyes. Doesn't actually have skin. It has a carapace. It is like pitch black. And is 15 hands high. Like a pony. Yeah. I think a pony is like 12. I don't remember. I, I, I can't remember. But yeah, it was just like, oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. And it it, it it sees through magic and stuff like that. It like, But that was only for the Sealy, Unsealy Courts version of the unicorn. The Sealy Courts are more prancy. That's how they are described. Well, in the Bible... It actually mentions unicorns multiple times, um, a lot in the Old Testament, and it kind of leans to the fact that they are um, like a very pure, very clean creature. Um, now, do they mean so? I mean, they literally use the word unicorn, so I don't know if the text, you know, I don't know what they referred to as a unicorn back then. Um, but, you know, there's there's even passages of, you know, like, would a unicorn trust you or be by your side? And so it's kind of like, are you being pure enough for a unicorn or not? You know, um, and I, I don't remember exactly what it says about Noah's Ark and the unicorns. But I do remember even even in the Bible, the, the unicorns are mentioned around that story um i don't exactly i don't remember what the actual bible text is about that but i know again the irish folklore with the unicorns and the ark um but you know i think that there and there are other like really really old ancient texts that do mention unicorns um not just the bible yeah the the website that i was talking about the saint neot uh n-e-o-t-s museum dot uh, org dot uk this is where i found it's a brief history of unicorns and it was kind of cool because one of the images is uh the first written evidence was the uh pliny's the elder but then there's a where was this one? Oh, and a possible unicorn depicted in india and it, like on a clay tablet in, in the bible i the unicorns are kind of talked about um around stories involving egypt um which is weird because, like, you know, you don't really see any Egyptian unicorn art. Or I, I personally haven't come across a lot, and I would find it bizarre if I missed that in all these years of my life. Um, yeah. But because there's also in Greece and in Greek stuff, a lot of times there would be bleed over. But that's the thing, too, is I don't know if it's an actual depiction of a unicorn or if it's a depiction of a thing that has a horn. But how it's that just being you're drawn. only seeing one of the two. Yeah. But I would very much like to believe that unicorns did indeed 
exist at one point in time. Oh, this was a, it was a, in the late 13th century. Marco Polo would add to this unflattering description of a unicorn by adding they spent their time by uh, preference, preference wallowing in the mud and slime. That's not my unicorn. <laughs> no, uh, the next picture I have is like a famous painting of uh, the maiden and the unicorn by Dama. Oh, is that when they're Dama like in the, it's like a fence around them or something? Uh, no, um, this one, they're like by a creek. I just can't say this name because I can't read. Domin pronounce that word, Mike. Nichio. Oh, yeah. Domin Dominicio. Yep. Dominicio. Yeah, that's the painting that I found. Uh, uh. But yeah, uh, then I'll copy this too. I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking at an Italian. I'm looking at an Italian fresco of a uh, lady with unicorn. <laughs> there are a lot of lady with unicorn imagers. Yeah, um, in during the middle middle medieval Europe, the unicorn became a symbol closely associated with chivalry, a lot of, and then also chastity and other things like purity. Yep, purity. And I think that's why a lot of little girls especially kind of cling to that. I think that like on some kind of like subconscious level, we see magic and, you know, beauty and mystery and, um, you know, the white unicorn especially representing that purity. Um, so I just, you know, I think it's one of the reasons I didn't grow up for a long time. Like I was, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I really, really, really wanted them to be real and i think that when i kind of got to around the age of like 16 17 18 i was like shit i really they don't exist you know like at least they for sure don't exist today <laughs> i think because when i was like six or seven i was like they're still there in ireland somewhere you know like i just really <laughs> thought that they were still there um my family crest has um a lion on it but um you know, when I was researching, a lot of other family crests have unicorns on there. And I was just like, oh, my God, they must be real. You know, like, <laughs> they must have been real at some point to be powerful enough to go on a family crest. So I'm sending you the picture of the Egyptian unicorns. Oh, yes. They, they are more. Why you haven't seen them is probably because they're more goat like than actual horses. So this is one of those things that they always bring up, like in so many different depictions of unicorns, is that they have a beard and they're they have like a longer, like actual tail and scruffiness around their little hooves. Yeah, and that's the, a lot of those traits aren't really associated with. Oh, and also yep. they have cloven hooves. If a lot of times they have two toes, and so I was I've been looking into a lot of this stuff. So, oh, wait, uh, the tail, uh, the tail of the horse and the other equines consists of two parts, the dock and the skirt. So it's like that you like, you've seen that really long flowy part, but the basic nub of the tail is kind of short as compared to like a goat that actually has a, like a longer tail or a boar, which actually is you know, like what I said earlier is part of one of the descriptions. Um, so, yeah, the Egyptian unicorns look like goats. Yeah, I don't think if if the unicorn actually did exist, I think based off a lot of these depictions, it would have been a like more closely related to a goat. And they do have unicorn goats. Like I have seen many goats with one horn. <laughs> and again, they were talking about the unicorn being 15 hands high, which is, you know, a small pony. 
Um, most most of the time, I and you, you could look that up. I don't remember if a pony is classified as under twelve or whatnot, but yeah, I am going to trust you, Texas girl. <laughs> I did like I I loved horses. You know, I I loved unicorns growing up, which would led me to love horses. And um, we had two horses at the ranch, and um, I did barrel racing, um, which is where you kind of you know you get time to see how fast you can ride your horse. Be- in, in figure eights around barrels <laughs> sometimes there's two sometimes there's three barrels um but i i absolutely was obsessed obsessed with horses i think most girls kind of were um even when i lived in the city um my parents let me do a horseback riding here which is kind of there's only like three or four places in dallas that still do them and i had a shetland pony named goldie and um she she was a terrible, terrible horse. Um. The last time I went riding on a horse, it was we borrowed it uh, because everyone else had their, had their own horse. So I just borrowed one of the other people's. And uh, the stirrups weren't properly uh, reset for a person my size. So I literally had your knees in your lap. Move my legs. Yeah, pretty much. So this particular horse, she liked to stop and eat. And I couldn't move to, like, say, Go, oof! I was just sit there wobbling on top of her mm-hmm. like a big goon. <laughs> so I started looking into stuff about um, what are called ungulates. So the ungulates are uh, members of a diverse uh, clad of ungulata, which primar- primarily consists of large mammals with hooves. This includes the odd-toed ungulates, which include horses, rhinoceroses tapers and then the even-toed ungulates which are the cattle pigs giraffes camels sheep deer um hippopotamus um whales dolphins uh porpoises and goats yes you heard me right whales are ungulates <laughs> and and they are part of the even-toed ungulates so they really? couldn't so. develop Opposable thumbs, like the onion said. <laughs> Dean, please. So they would be even, or if not a goat, it would be part of the even-toed ungulates for uh, what a unicorn actually would be. So you're saying that whales are cloven-hooved? Because, like, a rhinoceros has, like, three toes ah. when you look at their feet. Uh, and then... Horses only have basically one big toe because that's their hoof is basically their toenail. Yeah, very mo- a modified toenail, but still a toenail. And I'm like, no, oh, this is it, it's really weird when you actually look. Do you ever see like the depiction of it's like a, images of like if a human had the skeleton skeletal structure of an animal, and basically how they had for the humans was just like them walking on one finger. Yeah, and one toe is like that's. Nah, really weird looking it's but it's kind of not a wrong either yeah it's just we're not built that way we're built different built different we're built like sasquatch well yeah especially me but yeah uh so definitely would be not related that closely related to horses it'd be probably closer related to a goat or any other um even toed ungulate and then I was looking into stuff about horns and everything else. So this is one of those things that we would have to d- establish. What would be the purpose of the horn 
Or also, would it be a horn or would it be an antler? Because so the difference between horns and antlers, horns consists of a internal internal living bone core uh, covered with permanent chitin. Oh, keratin, not chitin, keratin sheath that continuously grows throughout their life. So like goats have horns that just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and, but then antlers, this is actually something I didn't know. Antlers are made out of bone. Yep. Uh, that are shed and regrown every year. And every year they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, it was kind of cool. One of the videos that I was watching, the lady was talking about moose horn antlers. The amount of energy it costs like a like a older um, moose to grow those antlers is about equivalent to a female moose producing a calf. I believe it. They're they're ridiculous, especially with like the drop yeah. horns and everything. Like that can get crazy large. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, just to put the two things into like perspective, because like <laughs> everyone knows, like yeah, baby takes a lot of energy to develop. So does the horns. Wow. And they don't really. Well, no, you can still use them for like defending yourself and everything else. Yeah. But uh, I found this on a different website. It was um, csdt.org. Um, and it basically was just talking about horns and the uh, why do rams horns grow into a spiral? And then they talked about the evolution of spiral horns. Now, they had like basically three different things that they kind of established what the purpose of like the horns would be. One was wrestling, and these were like the kudu kind of horns, where they're they're, they're spiral, but they like they're more pointy and everything else, and they kind of use them to like lock in with each other and fight like that. And then the ram, which is like you know a ram, mm -hmm. like they just make contact with each other. And then there are stabbing horns; those are like the uh, pygmy antelope, where they but those are also generally like short and stubby, and then. Yeah. So that they can actually be used, because that one of the and which one is the unicorns? Oh, uh, that's what I'm trying to. We're trying to figure yeah. out now. That's what we're talking about now, because that's one of those things. I'm is, saying, like, which one do you think would be the unicorns? It depends on what they use it for. If it's yeah. used for uh, wrestling, it would look different than if it looked for um, ramming or stabbing. That's so. With the um, if it was ramming, it would be. You could still have that single horn, but it would be probably more upswept. Yeah. Yeah, curved and like everything else. So like it had that harder point to make contact and yeah. can't really stab with it. But then um the stab if it was like, oh well, that's what it uses for. It's stabbing. That long, delicate horn doesn't make sense for like purposes of like That's a stabby stabby horn. Yeah. But then I was like, well, what animal does have a horn kind of like that? The narwhal. Yeah. But that's a distended tooth, isn't it? Yes. The male the male narwhal has a single long tusk. It is a modified canine tooth that projects out always the left side of the upper jaw. I did not know that. Yeah. If you look at a narwhal, it's really kind of cool because the horn is offset. Oh. Uh, we had a we have a we had a narwhal down uh, exhibit down here in the museum, the Milwaukee Museum, and it had a it. That's the first time I learned about that. And since it also is constantly growing, it and so it's getting longer and longer and longer. It has basically a hole in its face that never yep. heals. Yeah, 
because it just rips out of its skin. Mm. Yeah, I was like, and it's infected with lice a lot of times. But luckily, those lice seem to kind of keep that uh, gaping wound from being super infected. Interesting. Weird. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, I didn't know how gross. Yeah. They were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they're but they're gross in their own special way. Yeah, like me. <laughs> Always out the left side. Yeah. No, there was a. I, I saw one. There, there was like a, a weird mutation where it had a double tusk. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of really interesting. So there is like a close kind of relative to the narwhal, because uh, so the narwhals only have that one tooth. Mm-hmm. And only those males. But there is a very close relative that doesn't have the tusk. And if they interbreed, they will have like these weird teeth. Like mm-hmm. like they look the jaws look more similar to the other relative, but their teeth are kind of weird looking. Wow. Which uh what's the other species? Uh, I can't remember it off the top <sighs> of my head. And I feel You're really going you're going to tease us about this and then not remember. Oh what no no no, it was a beluga. I think that's what it was. It was if they interbred with a beluga. Because if you look at the beluga skull, their basic structure and everything else. I want to say it's a beluga. I got to swim with a baby beluga. That was fun. Did you get to sing a Raffi song with it when you did that? Baby beluga. Narluga, as it's called, is the offspring of a female narwhal and a male beluga. Okay, yeah. Then it was that. Oh. And uh, and this is the thing is like where when I was talking about how this thing is. Oh, that is. Uh, wow. That is messed up. Ew. Yeah, they have this weird underbite. Yeah. Where the teeth are just sticking straight out. Interesting. Holy cow. Yeah. That is. Uh, yeah, that's really neat. I would honestly think that there would be like an actual still tusk or something. Yeah, but there isn't. Yeah. It's... So it, that so that trait and what you said. um. It was a male beluga. It was a, a yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a male. Yeah, it's a if you cross a yep. If a female narwhal and a male beluga breed, you get the narluga. Does it say you, anything about the opposite of a male? Um, I don't know. Because that's the thing is, then it is definitely a sex-linked trait. Yeah, and that's why it wouldn't be present in the naruga because the female narwhal yeah. wouldn't have that. Why would yeah. wouldn't? Yeah. Nope, it's only if the offspring of a female narwhal and a male beluga. So it's not the other way around. Yeah. So it's like a tiger, a liger and a tigon? Yep. yep. Or what was it? A, a mule and something else? Mule and a burro, I believe. Burro, it's... Yeah. 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 Yep. And uh, uh, so now, because I was talking about how delicate those horns are, and I wanted to bring up the narwhals, because, well, we don't, really know what it's used for but it does it's very uh it has a very high sensitive it's very sensitive to things like we can't so i don't think it actually uses it for like ramming or hitting anything because i'm like that would hurt maybe it's there to receive radio signals from the cia maybe but yeah it's like uh uh typically long long live longer than males therefore the genetics consensus is the narwhal tusk is a sexual trait much like the antlers of stags manes of yeah because that's the thing is yeah the females don't have that tusk so it's not something that needs it's super vital for their survival because then the women would need it too that's crazy well thank you guys so much for showing me the difference between all of these um 
definitely given me a lot to think about. And honestly, I kind of want to go into like a deeper dive of the unicorn after this fun episode. Um, I've definitely, you know, I haven't been obsessed with them in a really long time and I forgot a lot about them, which so is really nice to kind of get back in there. That Egyptian picture is really cool um, now that I'm seeing it. Um, it's really, really fun. So thank you guys so much. It's been crazy. It's... I'll, I will make sure to uh, send you a full copy because we're like, we're going to still keep talking because I want to talk about my services next. Oh, hell yeah. Well, I I don't have much more to add to the unicorn mythology, sadly. Um, so I'm gonna go pop off and eat. Um, but thank you guys so 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 much. This was fun. So yeah. thank you guys. We'll see ya. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We're gonna keep this discussion going, and we'll hopefully talk to you later. Bye y'all. Okay. Bye. 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 Uh, so yeah. Um, one of the videos that I was looking at earlier. Uh, before we started all this was looking at the rhinoceros because that's also a stabby horn kind of but unlike the uh the unicorn horn mm -hmm. it's kind of thick at the yeah. base and gets more narrow and uh that one also i think it keeps growing too i'm leaning towards thinking that it's an actual horn yeah, yeah. not like an antler where it would yeah. like periodically just sh be shed yeah, to me at least, if you're gonna keep it as if you're gonna make it an antler, it would almost be more of a way to attract a mate. Yeah, and it would be almost an exclusively male trait to attract a mate. Yeah, because I guess they I don't really know if they ever talk about the difference between a. Because I mean, female. just looking at like not really because oh sorry Dean, uh, most unicorns though as I see it are usually coated female. As far as that goes. Oh, I always thought they were coded male. Re like, it, really? Because that's always... Because I believe... Wasn't it Mia Farrow in The Last Unicorn? Yeah. Yeah. That was the voice? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that was the thing is I always I always took a lot of them as male because, like, a lot of the horses that you would see are, like, male. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what they're using. And also, because I, I like that idea of subverting lot of different like cultural norms yeah where it's like no the male's the real pretty one <laughs> yeah well i mean and that's the thing though it's like when i see it like that's almost funnier though in that idea because in so many species that you see the male is usually the prettier one the yeah. females are usually the plainer ones as we've discussed in the holder episode it can also be used as a way of the males are needed for one thing delivery yep. of delivery of genetic material and from there, then they can be used as a distraction to protect the young. Yeah. So it's almost a weirder, like, defiance of expectation that, at least as I've always taken it, unicorns, because they also tend to be a thing that gets attracted to girls, unicorns tend to get coded as female in a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, unless you're really trying to, again, play that joke of defying the expectation of, you know, like Charlie the unicorn. <laughs> I look at the Impala horns. Those Ooh. are what I tend to lean towards when I think about unicorn horns. Also use horns. Oh, okay. Um, I can uh, see that. Female rhinos also use their horns. So, so they also have horns too. So I'm like, we can't yeah. say like all animals in the animal kingdom have that kind of. Oh no, absolutely not. And I mean, uh, and I know there are some bovine bovine 
fine. species that have both male and female have horns. Yeah. But what are we saying? Reindeer, reindeer, the female have horns, right? I mean, I, I would think that they both have. They both. I would say, if anything, they would have both. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers. Okay. According to the FDA. Yep. But okay. this falls into it now. What's the main theme of this show now? Evolution is weird, yo. So we could. So yes, potentially in our Ew, that's theoretical universe. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah. showing the lifetime, uh, the life progression of antlers. Yep. And they so, have. so you got March, which are little nubbins. May, mm-hmm. they're bigger. July, it, and this jumps to July, which is bigger. And then in August, you have, have this illustration that looks like the, uh, what is it? The velvet is. It's shedding off. off of it. Yeah, it's getting oh, yeah. shedded. It, it's shedding, but it 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 almost looks like something from a SCP or something. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it does. really is gross, kind of looking. But it's. Are oh, you yeah. seeing it too? I yeah. just pulled it up. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, for those who don't know, um, when antlers grow, they have this velvet that covers it, and then when it like is done, uh what was it calcifying or something like that i think yeah. that was the word that protective layer is shed off it's kind of gross looking it's basically think about like a snake shedding its skin but it honestly looks like the deer got into a struggle and like literally antlered the thing to death whatever it was fighting yeah it looks like it's covered in meat absolutely looks like viscera it's disgusting i love it the illustration that I'm looking at, it almost looks like the antlers have now sharpened and are healing through that velvet as the velvet drips away like it's also being digested. Gross. So yeah, we can still have it that our unicorn has. The males probably still do have larger, longer ones because some kind of sexual dimorphism. Yeah. Um, but that was the thing is, we kind of have to figure out what the purpose of the horn, like, is it for defense? Is it for only mating purposes? And then that's what also goes with what they use the horn in the mating. Cause that's what the whole, uh, kudu used and rams and, uh, antelope. Those are also to just fight off other males. Those aren't for like defense of their, um, family from predators. It's, I need to mark my territories from other males. What if uh, they rub it on trees as part of marking its territory, but uh, uh, uses it to get some of the bark as an extra nourishment? How nutritious is bark? Not really. I'm thinking this is more of like they could use it during the winter when there isn't that much to eat. Yeah. Being able to like pick, like just move more things through the uh, like off the ground, or yeah, knock things off off the ground, or you know, like deer will sometimes in the winter climb up, uh, upwards to get at some of the bark to eat strips off of the tree. I'm thinking of the scene from Bambi is what's playing in my head. I think it's just the idea of like as a survival, like we have no food. But we have to do something. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could use that for potentially, yeah, 
but then also you were talking about uh sexual things it's uh shouldn't have said it that way yeah sexual dimorphism but i was i was like part of it is to mark their territory they can rub their horns on the bark of a tree to to mark it well then that would mean that they would have a scent glands inside of i i wasn't saying inside of their so Bears like to scratch their backs, and you look at the trees, you can see where the tree has been worn away because all the bears are scratching it. I was thinking unicorns would mark the trees by rubbing up against a certain part of the tree to leave a mark. Now, scent glands at the base of the horn, they might also do that like uh, snow leopards will... Uh, they've got sweat glands, and they'll rub their che- cheeks up against rocks and boulders to mark their territory. Cats, or house cats do that too, when they rub their faces on you. Ew. They're marking you. But do you get what I'm... Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because when, when you're talking about the bears, I'm like, I don't think they do that for marking territory. I don't know. They they don't, but I just... I. I will sometimes see images of a bear getting done scratching a tree, and the poor tree is just red and raw. Because all the bears have rubbed up against the same spot. It's like, I, I feel bad for the tree. It's like, ow, oh, I'm sore. Because that was one of those things, that, like, I don't think it would just randomly generate, uh, like, spontaneously generate that level of complexity for the purpose of a horn, just to be marking territory in that sense. Because I'm like, I could understand if it's like they do that every so often to like trying to keep it sharp. But then it's still I don't think it would be like as long as they are always depicted, basically like narwhal tusk long. Because I'm like, if you think about it, too, is like the position of where their eyes are. What could they really like be aiming with? Like, it would be really hard to actually get really good idea of where it is and everything else. And like for proper aiming purposes. Because I'm like, also, you wouldn't use that for really ramming, because if you get it into something soft, you're stuck there. Yeah. But if like a lot of it is like it's it is a horn and it constantly is growing. Now, that would actually also make go with your rubbing concept is like after a certain length, it get, becomes more fragile so it could more easily break off. So it's not an inconvenience. And then it can mm-hmm. rub its head against some like a, a tree to um, sharpen okay. that part. There's that. And then we can have it both. And then it's uh, both ways. Yeah. I mean, I'd like the idea of it being a being a horn, like an extension yeah. of the body and not an actual antler. And that's uh, that's one of those things is. Uh, so when I was talking about the horn development, it has what's called a living bone core. So if you ever look yeah. at so if you look at like when you take a ram's horn off of the skull, because like after they're dead and everything else, it's, you know, kind of detachable because yeah. it's two different parts. Yeah. There is an actual bone that sticks out. Yeah. And then you can just unsheath it with uh, taking off the um, keratin. So I'm like, that would be the. And that's why they were perfect to use as traditional horns. Yeah. Is because you didn't have to drill out the center of it if you had an antler to turn it into a horn. You just, it naturally unsheaths when they are dead. 
and it's already hollow, you just cut off the end of it and blow into it. Yeah, and the benefit of it being hollow like that, it's it's you know easier. It grows a lot faster than if it's solid, and also it's a heck of a lot lighter. How does it end up being that way? Is it just that's how it just grows off of like the it continues to grow through the on the bone and then like comes off as it's growing constantly? Yeah. Interesting. Like, think about your fingernails. I'd rather not. Thank you very much. Well, it's the same basic yeah. material as your fingernails and your hair. OK. Yeah, the keratin. Oh, and yeah, okay. it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And on, but basically the horn, uh, unicorn horn, I guess, like how we were kind of establishing it is it would be more like our fingernails in the sense that it that you can have them longer, but they would get in the way. Yeah. So it could actually break off and become yeah. more beneficial like that or uh kind of like um cat's claws ah, okay where it is like a well in this sense it would be like an ice cream cone or not ice cream cone uh like a, a sheath of ice cream cones where it's just constantly generating and popping off okay so, yeah well, okay now that would make sense well and that also would explain why all these horns of these animals tend to be layered as far yeah. as that goes, they always appear very layered, unlike antlers, yeah. which just yeah grow, they just grow out and spread, and yeah. then uh, break off or so, pop I, off. I don't yeah, know if they break off or not. I mean, I definitely think the idea of a unicorn having a horn instead of an antler makes at least in some cases more sense to me. Yeah, but what do I know? I'm an idiot. It happens. It, it falls into that category of though, like. Bring it back to me because while I was paying attention, my brain got distracted by by uh, pictures that we have on the Discord chat. Do we have do we understand the purpose of a narwhal's tusk? No, um, it's sensitive. Yeah, yeah. OK. Scientists have long speculated. Uh, scientists have long speculated the biological function of the tusk. Uh, proposed functions include tusks as a weapon for opening breathing holes in uh, sea ice, in oh. feeding as an acoustic organ and as a secondary sex characteristic. The leading theory has long been that the narwhal's tusk serves as a secondary sex characteristic of males for non-violent assessment of hier hierarchical status uh, on the basis of relative tusk size. However, Detailed analysis reveals the tusk is a highly innervated, innervated, lot of nerves. Okay. Um, sensory organ with millions of nerve endings connecting the uh, sea water, uh, connecting seawater stimuli in the external ocean environment with the brain. Hmm. The rubbing of the tusk together by males is thought to be a method of communication or communicating information about characteristics of the water each has traveled through rather than previously assumed posturing displays of aggressive male-on-male -male rivalry. So imagine you're meeting somebody and you're rubbing your, <laughs> rubbing your teeth against each other. Ugh. Yeah, that yeah, that's kind of essentially that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's different character yeah, but it's I guess how it also is kind of be it's like rubbing um a scent 
off onto another male so that they can feel or taste or whatever the different characteristics of where you've been. Hey, Jim, where you been at? Oh, here and there. Here, why don't you just take a little bit of a... Taste? Yeah. Take a little taste. Grin, rub. Oh. It, 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 that could be interesting, at least as far as that goes, because then it could tell you, hey, you might not want to go here. This is what I found. Yeah, it tastes funny. Yeah. You look yeah. terrible. I, I don't want to get into it. All right, then I'll just give me a tooth rubbing. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. I mean, if that's the case, if it's really as the idea of as, as a sensory organ in that regard, maybe that's all it does for the unicorn also. It's there as a tool of, where have you been? <laughs> let's just get a quick little uh, shakedown and see what's happening. You know, entirely being like, we're in this area, food's light, Here's what we found, you know. It says the horn um, has to come out of the top part of the head either. Yeah, it's the top uh top left. Top left. Um, well, no, what I'm saying that. is yeah. with unicorns, who says the unicorn oh. has to have the horn coming out of the forehead? Could be another one of those things where it's Plainy the Elder. That's well, Plainy the Elder. It literally set out the forehead. And that's yeah, it's based off all the depictions. That's that's how that's what we're going off of. Well, I was just trying to see if we could throw another twist in there, but Wait, it's that's it's a tricky one just because of the fact that at least in most depiction, if if not almost every depiction since Plainy the Elder, who has been now around essentially two thousand years, mm-hmm. that's how the depiction of the unicorn has been. Yeah. There isn't really a, there isn't any record that doesn't show a unicorn without having at least whether it's like straight out the head curved back it's always somewhere on the it's always somewhere coming out the forehead but oh and then also because we've brought this up multiple times where you could have multiple species since this could be unicorata uh, uh class yeah but it would be oh no yeah unicorata genus yeah. then there could be multiple different versions of the unicorn where, yeah, depending on what they use that particular horn for can change like what's its basic orientation. So there could be the back swept unicorn. There could be the straight out unicorn. There could be that one subspecies that or one species, not subspecies. Well, there also could be a subspecies too, that just has the one super long straight horn, just like ant, like a lot of um deer have like the absurdly large antlers that serve no purpose, or those cows that have like those absurdly large horns. Longhorns. The longhorns, yep. Well, there's ones that are even like they're like the size of your thigh. The Brahmas? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but now true, that's also from human interved breeding. Yeah. But still, that could also come into play with a lot of these unicorns where just like horses they could have been bred in yeah we're already taking traits that were there and just exaggerating them yeah yeah but yeah i mean it's a good i mean it's a good question to ask but oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's just it's a hard it's a hard question to say why wouldn't the horn be elsewhere it's mostly just because of how in the concept of what a unicorn looks like and most animals at least as far as that goes have the, those horns short of a currently bad genetics yeah they have them coming basically straight out that forehead or at least around the top of the head now it was either a relative 
or an ancestor of the elephant um, that had tusks. But unlike the elephant, those tusks weren't coming up from the front jaw. Yeah. It was coming from the lower jaw and jutting oh, down. Okay. And they were using that for like digging purposes. Yeah. But they're not coming out the ass or anything. Oh, no, like wait. That. No, wait, wait, wait. Or was that the raw walrus? Are you going to be talking about butt tusks soon? No. Uh, okay. Would be butt chin tusks. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like there's that too. But I'm like, we're, we're heading into some unique territory if we start talking about the butt chin tusks. Yeah. But once again, yeah, it's like the, most of the purpose of like our, this whole podcast is us just taking an image or something that we, and then seeing how it could actually, yeah, of really functioned. I didn't want Crystal to hear this, but honestly, the unicorn is of the creatures that we've talked about the most believable one to exist. Yeah. One of those things that I always found really interesting when people will bring it up uh, periodically is are the meme where it's like, you're telling me there is a long legged, long necked cow, deer, leopard, but there's not a unicorn. <laughs> Again, it's entirely possible. I mean, there can be such a thing like a goat or a horse with a singular horn. It's entirely possible. We just don't have the fossil record. Like I was saying, I started reading uh, Rise and Reign of Mammals. And it's one of those things is, once again, I'm not saying these things do exist. I'm saying I'm not taking it off the table for the sake of just being arbitrary and taking it off the table. Yeah. Uh, but the only way fossils, we can have fossils in the fossil record is if there's something that was fossilized, for lack of yeah. better words. like. But you need certain very specific situations where you can get a fossil. Something to fossilize. So even if the, so like, let's just say, for example, if the unicorn, as it exists, a singular horned quadrupedal mammal did exist, it might not have existed in enough of a space or in the same space as that would allow it for a fossil record or not in the numbers that yeah. could create a fossil record. Yeah. Which is entirely possible. All right, what else do we have to do for unicorns? Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of because it's a unicorn's very simple as far as that goes. It's uh, it's an animal traditionally horse or goat, mostly yeah, for goat us, traditionally. For our story, it's going to yeah. be it would be closer related to a goat than a horse. Yep. Yeah, which It'd would be an ungulate, uh, an even-toed yep. ungulate. Yep. So, I mean, realistically, it's going to probably be a goat. It's going to have that horn as part of its body that just will usually have a continual growth probably get very and depending on how we want to depending on what that horn's going to be used for will determine where it's kind of how it's going to be placed if it's going to be straight out slicked back going to the side maybe once in a while it's just going to be very much determined by what it's needed for in uh, some of those cases but it's it's pretty basic so i mean like I said, unicorns, if there's going to be anything, but can we all agree that if it's going to be biological, it's probably not going to be magical then? No, no magic. <laughs> I'm like, it, there is enough magic in the real world, in, in like the beauty of nature, that we don't need to be also adding in magic to the Yeah, you're going to have to get your glitter elsewhere now. Mm -hmm. Sorry. There we go. I, I think it's honestly one of those things when it comes to, you know, unicorn... This one was going to be relatively easy compared to some of the other stuff we've done just because 
there's enough biology of horned of horned quadrupeds that it's that, not too much of a stretch. Yeah, you know. yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and I mean traditional rumors that rhinoceroses and inspired. Yeah, yeah. Which I was like, I don't know how you would get. Well, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, because uh, Pliny the Elder does talk about having them having elephant feet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they would definitely fall into that as the as again as an ungulate. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? It's it works. So, all right. So then for next week, are we going to tackle Loch Ness? Or next time we're going to tackle the Loch Ness? Unless you guys have any particular creatures that have tickled your fancy. Uh, nothing. Nothing tickles my fancies anymore. <laughs> it's basically going to be I'm going to be destroying Loch Ness. Of course. I mean, thing of all the reasons why it can't exist. Well, kind of, sort of, because I'm like, there are li- there are other people that have done that exact same thing. So I'm like, I have to take it from a different, unique angle. But I'm like, why bother? Just, just destroy it. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too. And that can bring us all closer together. Yeah. I keep looking at that new elephant that Dean's put up with the lower jaw horn, with the butt chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very unique looking animal. Yeah, and that one also. I see the the play play. Yeah, I'm. Lady Belladon, which is a duck billed elephant. Wow. Oh, yeah, those things. Yeah, I've seen those things. Those are interesting, too. But, but this is the weirdest thing for, like, that particular elephant where it has the, the tusks that pretty sure, like, it's coming out of the lower jaw. But I'm like, I don't know how the tusks from the lower jaw moved up to that they were on the upper jaw. That is. Well, there's there's actually another elephant that has tusks that are on both the lower and top jaw. Yeah, because I'm like, maybe this, well, that's the thing, too, is just because an animal existed doesn't mean that there are um, relatives still around. Yeah. So this thing could have just been like it's an it's a it's a cousin of the elephant, but it's not a it's not an ancestor. OK. Yeah. OK. I had no idea that the planet. Oh, God, it's yep. so weird. Yup. The platybelodon is such a strange creature. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. But you can also see where, like, uh, some of the tusk or not the tusk, yeah. um, the trunk, yeah, kind of was developed from. Oh yeah, well, and it's really an interesting design because I'm looking on the, I'm looking at the actual, I'm looking at the skull of one, and that's really kind of interesting. Is just how it has almost like a weird plate right at like the base of. At its base, at the base of its nose, mm-hmm. uh, the nose portion of it. Yeah, that is 
God, that's so weird looking. And so, I mean, that's what makes this so interesting. That's where platypuses come from. Good God. No, they don't. They just shrunk and started pooping out eggs. No. No. You're going to give him an aneurysm one of these days, Dean. Max going to just, one day you're just going to watch blood shooting out of his ears. And you're like, you okay, buddy? And it's like, no. And then he just falls over. You besperched my precious platypus. Yeah. <laughs> All it needs to do is mate with a beaver and we're set. 